Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think that's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five? Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, welcome everybody. It's The Session. Thanks for joining us here on this beautiful Bay Area day. We're going to be talking craft beer with kevin davey brewmaster from wayfinder beer kevin welcome to the show man oh thanks for having me yeah i really appreciate it your uh your lovely care package um arrived on the porch a couple hours ago and i was sweating it man um but we made it happen and uh, everything is in the fridge right now and uh i want to thank you for because you guys were very uh generous with some of the little knickknacks you know we got a nice sticker and uh um, i got a mug (laughs) <laughs> and a pin and uh, and a couple matchbooks. Uh, I'm, I'll I'm, admit that's why it was late. We had to stick all that cool stuff. I feel pretty good, man. We can't send the package until the matchbooks arrive from the supplier. <laughs> Get them out now. Uh, Sully's also joining us. Welcome, Sully. Welcome back hey. again. And then hey. the lovely Kim Shimke, who I can't tell if is, she's the first frozen. Time you never called me lovely. Uh, well, this will be the last <laughs> time too. I can't tell if you were frozen or not because, like, sometimes you just sit there. <laughs> And you don't move, and I don't know if you're <laughs> you're frozen. So I'm glad you're uh, I'm glad you're here, man. How have you been, Kim? We haven't talked to you in a while. I'll put a mirror right up to me so you can see the fog of breathing. <laughs> That's what, what I'm going to need. <laughs> <laughs> Every hour, hit the refresh screen. How are you? How's life, Kim? We haven't talked to you in a little bit. What's going on? What's new with you? Absolutely okay. nothing at all, and I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> all right, man. Fine. Uh, I love it. Well, Kevin, let's uh, let's jump over to you then, man. I was uh, I was expecting Kim to take at least ten minutes, but apparently, apparently. Oh, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, you just said the same answer. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just mess, 
I'm just uh, putting Kim on the spot because it's really fun to do. Uh, so, Kevin, you guys are up in Portland. That's correct? Yeah, that's right. We're um, pretty much downtown, but just on the other side of Burnside, on the other side of the Lambert River. Um, okay. Um, we're in what's called the Central East Side Industrial District. Wow. Which I'm sure they're going to rename to like pro row or something stupid <laughs> at some point and really make it hip and cool. But right now it's all just, uh, an industrial area and it's, um, yeah. really easy to get drugs and, um, get shot. I don't know. Nice, man. That sounds pretty yeah, tight. That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if, if, if Portland needs anything more, it needs more cool, hip areas. I don't feel like there's too many of them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I, it's it's a cool neighborhood, yeah. sort of. There's there's no housing, right? It's all just a commercial, okay. commercial industrial spots, and then like some office spaces and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that's like the have, tr- have, they sh- have they shot an uh, an episode of Portlandia yet? Uh, there has been so many, like right outside of where we're at. There's been so many shoots. I'm sure Portlandia's been part of it, but weird shows I've never even heard of. Like they just choose that area because there's. They don't really have to pull up like permits or barricades. They just like start shooting. <laughs> <laughs> they just go for it, man. I love it. Usually, you see these like uh, influencers going up to the graffiti walls and taking like sexy pictures of themselves. Like, oh yeah, look at how cool and industrial I am. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the classics. I'm braving. This is proof that I'm braving the dangers of the urban environment because there's are there spray paint on the walls, you guys. Yeah. Everyone, donate to my Patreon page so I can feel <laughs> safe again. <laughs> Well, uh, that sounds cool. I, I've never been, uh, I mean, I haven't been to Portland in a little bit, but uh, there's so much going on in Portland that it's hard to get, it's hard to get everywhere. But uh, I was looking at your website and with the amount of loggers that you do, I can't wait to get back up there because uh, I'm a big logger head and uh, I love it. So I can't wait to talk about all that kind of stuff. But before we get into your current beers, uh, how did you get into, into brewing? You were saying before the show that you started as a home brewer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So like when I, when I moved out of my parents' house, I actually grew up in Oregon, but then I moved to Seattle when I was like 18, and I uh, became a plumber. Okay. And I was a maintenance guy first, then a plumber, and okay. I did that for like 10 years. And while I was doing that, I'd build really cool homebrew systems, and um, I just homebrewed a ton. I was just twice, three times a week at least. Why? And uh, why a plumber? I don't know. I just got, caught the bug. You know, I'm sure most brewers of generations like. Sean's you know, like they catch the bug and they just can't stop. You know? Sorry, say it again. I didn't hear you. <laughs> uh, old man Sean. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they, you they like to call them Gen X brewers. <laughs> yeah. They put the brewing bug on a uh, the vaccine on a little sugar cube and give it to them. That's how old Sean is. Why a, a, a plumber? Were you, did you have like an interest in the plumbing arts in high school? Like what? <laughs> it just seems very weird. Like I just became a plumber just like that. I literally I answered an ad in a okay. newspaper. <laughs> and uh, it nice. was a good job. It paid well. Yeah, I was really into music, and I, you know, at the time, I'm like, well, cool. I can afford to buy some nice equipment if I, you know, go snake people's drains. And, uh, <laughs> Were you uh, decided to buy homebrew systems instead? <laughs> nice. Were you in a band? Did you move up to to like sort of do, have a band career? Or you just wanted to uh, hang out where music was. Uh, I, I mean, I was just always into music. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have a lot of. I mean, to be honest, I didn't have a lot of a. Uh, um, determination and uh, structure of where I was going to go in life, but nice. Um, moved to Seattle and I just uh, kind of just fell into this thing. And then after brewing for about home brewing for like, God, it must have been six years. 
um, I decided that I was going to put myself through the Siebel Institute, and so saved a bunch wow. of did a bunch of side work for a couple of years, and opened a separate bank account just so that I could save up to do it and put myself through brewing school. And um, nice. And then left my cush brew plumbing job to go uh, make zero money uh, <laughs> being a brewer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right out of Siebel, did you get a? Uh, were you able to, to find a job? When was that? Can you can you date yourself real fast? I went to Siebel in '09, so okay. not that long ago. Yeah. Um, now you're too fresh faced to, to to be as Sean's, you know. Level yeah. Of no. There's no gray in this yet. No. <laughs> I haven't had to shave it yet. When you open your brewery, you'll get it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple. This one's called Wayfinder. This one's called my ex. You know, <laughs> so right out of Siebel, where do you go? What's your first job? What's your first pro uh, brew gig? When I was going to Siebel, oh. I was obsessed with lager beer. Okay. Um, I really thought that was going to be the next wave of what craft beer would be. Oh. And um, Bro. Me too. This was during the IPA wars of the late 2000s, where everybody was trying to make the strongest, most bitter beer. Beer is hot sauce. Who can make the hottest hot sauce kind of situation? Yeah. And I was like, oh, the pendulum's going to swing the other way. I, I love lager beer. And I had tried checking the Schwartz beer at like a beer festival. And I was like, I got to work. For, I got to work for these guys. 100%. I have to do it. Wow. And so when I got, when I was in Siebel, I was emailing Will Kemper there and saying, you got to give me a job. Like I, I just want to learn how to make beer from you. Was he open and then to he that? He didn't do it when I got no, back. No, no. It took him another six months, eight months before he offered me a job. And then when he did, he paid me, you know, garbage, and I was on food stamps. But I learned from the best, and yeah. uh, I thank him for him for it. You know, <laughs> got me in the industry. Who was this? Uh, Will Kemper. Okay, about Chuck and that. If you know Will. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck and that. Yeah. He started Thomas Kemper Brewing and a uh, bunch of other stuff. Nice. As was, a consultant. Was he, uh, was he sort of ignoring your emails? Did you keep pestering him? Like, I feel like working at Chuck and that's a pretty big foot in the door when just coming, you know, going to Siebel. You're not even out of, you know, like a brewing <laughs> school yet. Well, I mean, back then, Chuck and opened in 08. So, um, and I was pestering him in 09. They didn't oh, even okay. have a name for themselves at that point. So no one cared. No one cared. No one cared. Okay. <laughs> it was actually, I, when I was there, um, I was like, I think the second brewery hired. The first one being Josh Freem, who okay. started Freem Brewing. Right. Um, so my first week, I got trained from Josh Freem, which was kind of fun. I guess nice. I get to say that he trained me how to make beer too. So what was the deal with loggers? I mean, why that? I mean, when the, when the IPA wars were going on, were you not into IPAs? You have like some sort of. Did you live in Germany for a while, or did you fantasize about living in Germany? Or I don't know. I was always really drawn to them. Um, there's a chain of. Um, German import places called Prost mm-hmm. in Seattle. And um, that was like the first place I'd hang out when I was like 21. And uh, it was right when he opened it back in like 03. And um, I, I mean, frankly, I was homebrewing and I never made IPA mainly because I could go to all these cool beer spots in Seattle and get great IPA um, from a whole, you know, a whole bunch of brewers, but nobody was really making great lager except for imported. And uh, so when I was going to homebrew, like mainly what I brewed was lagers and Belgian beer. And I still love Belgian beer, but um, it's not very hot and sexy right now. 
I'm really happy that Lager's gotten its uh, fair shake in the craft hearing industry. It's starting to get its fair shake. Yeah, me too, man. It's uh, there's something about Lagers that that it's you know when when if more breweries, well, I shouldn't say that if because it, it doesn't matter. It's not a brewery's fault that it doesn't sell. It's it's a consumer's fault. But I feel like the the Lagers that are really good, they're they're the brewers there that make them pay as much attention to them as they would to their like IPAs. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you get a lager and you can just tell it's like, well, let's do a lager. I guess I want to. I don't know, but I really got to focus on this IPA. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, but you, you pay special attention to lagers, and I, I feel I just I want it's the romanticist in me. I want to feel like if everybody just had one really nice Hellas, it, the world would be a better place. But <laughs> I guess that's not true, man. I guess that's uh, well. I you know, and it, for for most craft breweries, I feel like that's kind of been the spot where it's like you'll go to like especially brew pubs along the West Coast here. You know, you go into a random brew pub on the coast or along California and Oregon and stuff, and you walk in, you'll see IPA, uh, Hefeweizen, Pale Ale, Stout, Amber Ale, and at the very end, they'll have a tap that just says Lager. At least that that's the way it was when I was, you know. Back in the mid two thousands, and nobody and, and you'd ask them, well, what's your locker? And they'd just go, oh, well, this is some crap we make for Bud Light drinkers. Jesus, <laughs> that might be I a mean, bit extreme. To, to be honest, <laughs> so we always kind of joked at checking that. I'm like, man, I, we should do the same thing where we have Vienna and Hellas and Dunkless and Pilsner, and uh, at the very end we just have ale. People <laughs> ask us about it, we just go, ah, oh, it's hoppy, it's fruity. So it's crap. In their, in their <laughs> defense, beer drinkers. I mean, you know, most, you know, brew pubs are like, you know, they're, they're two vessel. There's there's no temperature control in the mash tun. It's just, you know, they're producing ales. So, no. I mean, I get it. I'm actually not defending it. I completely agree with you. Yeah. But I mean, but they don't have like the, you know, the system that you have at Wayfinder, which is like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's essentially like a. I don't know, a, an oil refinery in a lot of ways with the way you all the equipment you have and all that. It's, you know, it's pretty impressive. We do have a really um, well-engineered system. Yeah. Um, I guess that goes into the whole, um, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that is offensive or anything, but uh, say it, go ahead, go ahead. JP's here. He's fine. Yeah, I'll cut it out. Is it all the time? Want, yeah. That's. I think that that's the new. That's what we really have to do for the next. Uh, the next step in craft beer is it's going to be more about engineering. Uh, I think. I think that when craft brewers, when the revolution happened in the '90s and two um, thousands, you know, a lot of the information that you could get, and a lot of the suppliers, frankly, um, they didn't really know what they were doing. Um, or they were piecing it together. And, and I'm not saying that they mm-hmm. were stupid. It's just that it was like... It, it was a path of least resistance. It was new. It was like yeah. old equipment from England that was brought over like the Grundy tanks. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And it wasn't all figured out. And now that we've kind of gotten it figured out, like I feel like there's not an excuse to un- under-engineer things anymore. And uh, we do have a really nice system at Wayfinder, but I look around Portland, there's a lot of people with really nice systems. Um, and, you know, there's I just don't think that there's an excuse to make beer that isn't like technically um you know very well produced now that being said i think i agree one of uh somebody i used to be a boss of mine kevin forehand no kevin i forgot his last name kevin forehand's at um no that's okay i don't know where kevin uh, flying bike um, exactly yeah in portland a different kevin yeah kevin, reed. Seattle. Go kevin ahead. reed is who i'm thinking of yeah um he he once told me he's like a good brewer can make great beer on any system um, I think that you just kind of have to know what your limitations are and play, play.
play within your limitations if you're going to make great beer. Uh, if you look at British brewing, it's not very technical. It's pretty much met you. But the thing is, is you have to use the ingredients that make sense for what you're brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, I mean, I think we can all agree that a pint of English bitter can be absolutely divine. But um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. Sorry. <laughs> That's else. right, man. Well, I, think what, I think what you're saying is the equipment that you need to brew a pint of English bitter may not be doesn't need to be as technically advanced or then let's say doing your quadruple decoction you know quad at your at wayfinder i mean you're not going to you're not going to achieve the sort of the same lushness and elegance of that beer as you are with you know a a simpler a beer that's simpler to make Mm -hmm. i think about um uh, another brewery in town, and I'm just going to shout out Heater Allen. I'm yes. drinking one of their beers right now. Hell yeah. Um, I'm also dating the head brewer, so there's that. Hey, but, whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> they have, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with pub systems. Um, they originally had a pub system, you know, um, that were put together in New England. They were very simple, two vessel systems. They're sold on a skid, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think the original Deschutes was on a pub system. Um, but they made their beers, they step mashed them all on a pub system. It just took a lot more work. Um, you can do it. It's just a lot more work, right? You know, doing hot water infusions and a lot of stirring. Um, you can do, you can do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go back to that Kevin Reed saying that is, you know, a great brewer can make great beer on any system. That's true. But to your point about, you know, sort of having engineered systems nowadays, um, you know, it, it, it lowers the learning curve. Like you could use, you know, dairy tanks and, you know, repurpose dairy equipment to make great beer, but yeah. it's going to probably take you a long time to learn how to do that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, I think the hard part that Wayfinder does is the work production side of it. But on the seller side, we're not doing anything really, really crazy. We have regular fermenters just like everybody else. Yeah. You don't um, have magic fermenters? Lager, <laughs> well, we just don't have like a line of horizontals and weird fooders and a mm-hmm. cellar that's like temperature controlled, that's dripping water off the ceiling like Pilsner or Cal. We don't have anything like that. Um, there's no magic there. Um, we do have a couple of pumps and an extra mash mixer. But other than that, we have a very simple system that works just like everybody else's. Um, it is steam run, so that's an expensive thing to put in a steam boiler and boil wort and mash. So, mm-hmm. yes, I agree. It's actually a lot less work for me to do. Nice. But, um, you know, they, if you look at Will Kemper's brew house, uh, a lot of those pumps, piping, all that kind of stuff he found on eBay. He put a lot of that brewery together himself. Um, when it came to the control panel, he learned how to use Opto 22, like a little con- uh, computer control system. Flew down to San Diego and bought the software and learned how to do it. And so that whole thing is computer controlled because he figured out how to do it. So it takes a lot of like uh, brewer innovation that way. Um, so specific mechanical did make the system, but um, because Will was already an engineer by trade, he was able to make um, pretty well engineered beers that way. Yeah, alter it a little bit and to, to yeah. suit his needs. Nice. I think that like what I'm trying to say is that lager brewing in particular isn't so much about art as it is engineering it's about you know knowing what you need you know obviously having a bit of intelligence but then not settling for second best not you know understanding what you're trying to achieve and then achieving it (laughs) it's kind of hard to do but like it's yeah well and i think you know now nowadays 
you know, homebrewers especially, we we have, uh, what am I trying to say? We have better examples of what we're trying to achieve when we make lager beers. Because there's so many good lagers out there now. Yeah. Five years ago, that wasn't really the case. Ten years ago, it was even, you know, more rare. It's, you know, it's like, oh, let's compare it to Coors Banquet because I don't know what else to really do. You know what I mean? Or here's an old beer that's been on the shelf at BevMo for two years. <clears throat> I don't know. It yeah, says I, mean, it I don't think anybody foreign. should buy old beer at Bethmo ever, no matter yeah. what it is, to right. be honest. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, if we can do anything, um, if you want to learn more about how to make beer how, or what the beer is like, go to the source. Um, it's kind of hard during these COVID times, but yeah. a trip to Germany to taste what beer is taste like and just write it in your journal. Like it doesn't take when I was going to Prost and those German beer bars, like the beer did not taste like what it did when I got to Germany. And it completely revolutionized what I thought. I was like, oh, crap. Actually, beers are hoppier. These are hoppy beers. They just they don't taste like it after they took a six-month voyage to the United States. Yeah, yeah that was my experience with Pilsner Raquel in Prague. It was like, oh, my God, this is a really bitter, sharp beer. Yeah. And then when you have it over here, it's it's a lot tamer, a lot quieter. Yeah. Yep. I Go agree to the source. I, I agree. So you moved. I'm reading my notes here. So you moved from Chuckanut. You went to Firestone Walker. Yeah, I can't tell if that's a step up or not. I mean, they're like to me; those are both like king. You know, those are they do they're great at what they do. But I guess maybe back then, Firestone Walker was a little more well known. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Firestone Walker was a dream job for me. Yeah, um, it didn't really work out perfectly because I wasn't really suited for living in the desert. I guess. Um, okay. There's some other stuff going on there too, like yeah. as far as me and my relationship went. We ended up deciding to come back to the Northwest. Okay. Um, and I, I love the guys at Firestone. They're great people, but, um, I didn't, I wasn't a really long-term project for me, but I learned yeah. a lot from those guys learned them. What was strange was not so much going from Chuckanut to Firestone, but going from Firestone to, um, work at another small brewery that won't be named in, uh, in Seattle and being like, wow, there's, because Chuckanut had, they were pretty much like big brewing on a small scale and then yeah. Firestone was big brewing on a bigger scale. And, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> like it all made sense. I'm like, oh, this just makes, this is, but then when you go back and to another brewery that is, you know, a glorified homebrew system, you're just like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, mm. not taking a technical approach. I think that Firestone and Chuckanut both take a very technical approach to making beer. And yeah. I, I, that's, that's what I'm into. The, do you think that helped modify your 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 brewing at all, or did you did you go in wanting to be that sort of like technical, you know, almost engineering mind? I, I mean, I think so. I think that's the reason why Matt hired me at Firestone was that um, I was into technical brewing. Nice, and uh, that's what they, I mean. I definitely think that they take a scientific approach to brewing, and I think that that's. Yeah, I think that that's the best way. Yeah, I think it actually makes the best beer. But I mean, I think that there's also uh, great examples where if you're, you know, in the middle of a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and talking about the spirits that are in the air, it's another great way of making beer. But um, yeah. I prefer the prefer the previous way. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, the spirits and the engineering. Uh, so when do you land at Wayfinder? Uh, well, so we moved back to Seattle. Um, I jumped around a couple places and then ended up at a Gordon Beerish and ran the Seattle location for oh, two nice. years. No slouch at uh, Lager Beers either. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was just kind of a holding spot. And then I wanted to do my own thing and ended up getting approached by these guys who were trying to open a lager brewery in Portland. 
uh, lager-centric brewery. And one of the reasons why um, the approach with, with Wayfinder was so appealing to me is that I, I wanted to do exactly what they wanted to do, which was half IPA, half lager. Um, we wanted to do lager brewery, but we didn't want to have the Lederhosen and the pretzels <laughs> and the... We didn't. We didn't want it to be. All the kids. I mean, frankly, kind of culturally appropriative. We wanted it to be an American brewery, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, be our own thing. You know, like make these classic styles, but do them the way that we want to do. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like we've achieved that. I think that a lot of the a lot of the beers that we make, um, like with Munich Dunkel and the Hellas and stuff, these are I I feel like that we won, won awards at GABF for them. They're very, they're very similar. They're not American interpretations of these beers, but um, I, I feel like in the branding and in the way that they um, look, feel, and taste, they're for our audience. So, how, how did you come across those guys? I mean, or gals as well. Um, you know, how, I mean, it sounds like it was a match made in, in you know logger heaven. You, you're, you know, you you have this you have this penchant for wanting to brew this style, that style of beer, and then you have these owners that are like interested in doing it. How did how did you all come together? Uh, well, I knew Charlie Devereaux from um, from just Hank. Well, actually, when I was at Chuckanut, I used to go to these brewers' nights where every night at this bar called the Green Frog. It's no longer there, but they used to have a brewers' night every week, and they'd have a different rep. And I'd always make it my point to go in there just so I'd met people in the industry. And I ran to Ch- uh, Charlie Devereaux. He started uh, uh, Double Mountain Brewing in Hood River. Yep. And uh, we hung out and we drank too much. And we went around town, went to Boundary, went to check on, had a good time. And uh, we were kind of friends then. And I heard from some friends that uh, he had left Double Mountain and was wanted to open a lager brewery. So I just called him on the spot and told him that I had to be his brewer. And <laughs> turned out, turned out doing it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Just said, "Hey, this is my job now," and uh, you know, and that's it. <laughs> so, how do you how do you build a, a brew house to you know focus on on lager beers, or at least make the best lager beers that you can? Um, that's interesting. You know, I think that a lot of it is we focused on step mashing. Now, I just want to say that we also do most everything that we do for lagers for ales as well. Okay, uh, we do step mashing for all our ales as well. Um. And then we have a separate decoction vessel. So we have a mash tun, a louder tun, and then we also have like what's called like a cereal cooker or decoction tun. Um, so we're able to pull, we're able to mash into a mash uh, mixer, pull a section out, boil it, add it back in, and do step step mashing that way. And you, and, and then other than that, that's that's pretty much it. Other than that, um, wow. Everything else looks the same. <laughs> Bigger heat exchanger. <laughs> yeah. So you don't do that. You don't do decoction mashing, obviously, for, for ales, right? You're talking just specifically the step mashes. Um, that's pretty uncommon, I think, right, in the industry where you're for, for ales, you're commercial brewery doing step mashes for like pale ales or whatever? Not not really. No? no. I mean, at Firestone, they did step mashing for everything. Oh, I should have paid attention. Um, you're just out of the loop. Yeah, I'm just stupid. <laughs> I didn't I didn't retain any information. Okay, well that's cool. I mean, I just I'm I'm always just throwing it back to homebrew where it's like, oh well, it's one fifty two, and then that's it. You know. Yeah, there's actually there's an art to it. You know. Yeah. Um, but what do you I, do? There's a lot of ale brewers out there. We do one for fan, develop fan. Um, what do you do? Well, it depends on the malt. So that's the other thing that about Wayfinder that we focused on was um, using a lot of different base malts. Uh, to create different styles and flavors. 
So like with our Czech Pilsner that you might be able to try, um, that is Bohemian Pilsner malt. Our Helles is just straight up Weirman Barca Pilsner malt. Um, for our ales, we use a, a local Pilsner style malt, but um, so they're all, all different, but um, uh, you'll have to forgive me, I work in Celsius. Most of them, we start at 60 Celsius. Let me translate. So 140, uh, 155, 162, 178 okay. are, is a very difficult step for us. Wow. So we're focusing on um, the, the whole idea here is to um, allow beta amylase. Uh, in, in Germany, they talk about when they talk about mashing, they're, they're not just saying like beta rest or alpha rest. They'd say maltose production rest and they say sacrification rest. So the whole the whole point of the the lower temperature rest, the 140 to 149 degree rest, is uh, to really emphasize the use of beta amylase. And if you remember, beta amylase is the one that cleaves off the little edges and creates maltose, mm -hmm. where alpha amylase cleaves alpha 14 bonds randomly. Um, so alpha is more um, active and can do more damage to amylose and amylopectin or amylo. Um, pardon me. Um, it can it can destroy, make more sugar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, See, that's the amylase can make more maltose. That's the level and I'm the on. Just the make more sugar. That was perfect. <laughs> so what we're trying <laughs> to do is we're trying to create a a sugar matrix of wort yep. that is high maltose. Okay. The highest maltose as possible. And the reason being is that if you focus more on alpha amylase doing all of the work, you're going to create a lot of glucose. And that will create unhealthy fermentations, mainly because um, it's kind of like, imagine yeast is like a party of people showing up to a smorgasbord of food. With mass if on. you have most of it being dessert, they're going to eat all the dessert first because it's delicious. Um, and then they'll never get to the broccoli. <laughs> but if you have a lot of really great staple foods, maltose <laughs> um they might eat the sweet things really quick they might eat that but then then most of it is going to be um potatoes and um stuff like that and then then, then they're still healthy enough to finish the broccoli at the end. okay and i imagine that they actually make drier beer and better fermentation character okay how how much longer with the the cereal masher and all that kind of stuff how much longer does a, a decoction you know beer take versus um you know a typical ale um, so for, for our, our, our mashing time from mash in to sending the louder to kettle, mm -hmm. our longest is usually about four hours from when we start grinding grain till when we're loudering to kettle. So quite a while. Um, most of them are done in about two and a half hours. Okay. And a lot of that comes into the engineering of our brew house where we have a high pressure steam boiler and, um, we're able to change temperature really quickly. Um, and that really helps us out. Okay, yeah, I mean, I feel like an extra what was it, an hour and a half, two hours. I feel like that's not that long. It's not a big deal. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, sure, there's some time, but it does speak to how your brew house is put together. That if you're going to do these beers, make sure that you're efficient on all aspects of you know besides just having a cereal cooker. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, that a lot of it is the engineering of the brew house itself, yeah. but. Um, that being said, a lot of our brews, like when we're doing the quad decocted or even double decocted brew days, I mean, they're like 10 hour brew days, 
they're not they're not great. And as we're growing as a company, <laughs> I'm having to find out that I can't just make everybody work 10, 15 hours a day like I've been making myself do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, or if I'm going to, we have to schedule two two shifts, and that that's, oh, man. it can be a pain in the butt. But yeah. I don't really want to sacrifice quality, especially at this point in the, in uh, our game. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you're uh, when you're brewing ales and you're doing these rests, I mean, I'm assuming that the rests are done to achieve sort of the final, you know, uh, the sense of the beer that you want to make. Are you using a lot more uh, specialty malt in order to achieve, you know, more mouthfeel and more of a malt structure? Or because you know, if you if you rest too much, you're going to sort of cleave and consume the yeast is going to consume that. So, what do you? How do you work that? Managing arrests or through yeah, I think it is more managing rest and then also doing mash out. So getting it up to a temperature to where you're not having any more um, enzyme degradation. Mm-hmm. Um, once you build what you want to build, um, sending it to ladder ten at about 178 degrees really solves that. Um, but yeah, you're right. If uh, and also malt selection is a big deal too. So if you're using a malt that um, like a North American barley that is grown to um, consume adjunct, adjunct having usually almost no enzyme potential like rice and corn. Um, a lot of our American barleys are done that way. Um, they're, uh, frankly, the a lot of the American barleys that have been grown in the US to be disease resistant and are, they're not made for craft brewers. A lot of them are made for the big guys and they're made <laughs> to be mixed with adjunct. So I've found that when we want to make an all malt product, um, we usually use a European malt, um, and, or it's going to end up being way too, like like Sean says, a little bit way too dry. It's hard. It's a hard balance to play. So when we want to use American all American malt, we almost always use an adjunct. Interesting. Uh, corn, rice, dextrose, one of the three. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Look, let me take a, a real quick break um, because we're talking about beer so much. I want to start drinking. Oh yeah, good call. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna jump in here. I can be more fun if you guys want to like not talk Dude, super technical. You, just, man, it's <laughs> no, that's good. That's whatever. Good. Yeah, good I, I like it. Yeah, Sully's right. It, it is a good mix. And like I was saying, man, you know, we we have the technical things. That's what a lot of people come for, and then they also come for the farting around. So yeah, so uh, fart around, Kevin. Yeah, Jesus all right, time to fart. Okay, literally good. pull your pants down and fart. Uh, a funny picture behind you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kevin from Wayfinder Beer. Hang on just a second, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Welcome back to the session, everybody. We're hanging out with Kevin from Wayfinder up in beautiful Portland, Oregon. And I just cracked what is possibly the the, the most pure style of beer in the entire universe, a Hellas. Kevin, you are a, a big, giant Hellas head, or what's your what's your... What's are you talking your f- about how big my head is right now? Or? Yeah, you have a Hellas head, and that's uh, a... <laughs> um, what's your favorite lager style? Uh, I'd like to say it's Hellas. I'll okay. be honest, it's Dunkless. Like Really? I, I don't think a lot of people... Really? I don't, uh, yeah. Let's just end the interview now. That's, no, no, we're talking no, about... No, no, I will fight you to the yeah. now. <laughs> I, think, I think the only like Dunkless I've really had was the Gordon Beersh one. Oh, then, yeah, I mean, the Gordon Beerish one's sublime. It's good, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when I was there, there was, like, a bunch of iterations of it that kept on going back and forth. And 
I think I fell in love with the style when I was working for Chuckanut. I think Will and the Chuckanut crew's got like five gold medals at like World Beer Cup and GABF with that beer. But we're not here talking about Dunkless right now. We're talking about the Hellas. <laughs> so let's just or turn Chuckanut. that around. Mine, it's a big ad for Chuckanut, apparently. Man, this no. is just. Well, I'm trying to be nice. This show <laughs> is just a, 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 a rambling interview anyway. We can talk about whatever. We can talk about. Whatever you want to talk. Let's talk about your new girlfriend. F1 yeah, racing. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so tell me about yeah, this house. No, I, mean, I think Hellas is for for me. I, I for Hellas is just kind of like one of these beers that is is it's like not the most important beer on the table, and that's the best part about it. Like when when we talk, the best Hellas that's out there is the one that you don't even think about. You've had five of. You're hanging out with your friends, and it's just like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm not even thinking. We're just having beer. We're having so much conversation, so much fun. Um, it's not the center of the attention. Yeah, I I see what you mean, but I I'm and I'm gonna say that's regional because where you are, you have a lot more loggers than where I live in the in the yeah, Bay Area. What's wrong with that? That's your problem. It is my problem. It sucks. I hate Let's it. Talk about it. Get on the couch. It pisses me off. Let me lay down. Uh, it I makes think one of my me favorite mad. Compliments anyone did was uh, Bill from Beer Stud said that we were we were at a logger festival. We were drinking their their Pilsner, their Hellas, or whatever. And the guy comes up and he's like, "Bill, what do you think of the Hellas?" He's like, "I'm not thinking about it at all. That's the best Hellas I've had in a long time." <laughs> see, if 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 I get a, if I see a Hellas on a thing on like a menu, I'm absorbing every bubble that comes off of it. Like I'm I'm the opposite of that. I'm too focused on the thing because I don't get them a whole lot down here. Yeah. And when I do, they're they're okay. I'm waiting for Sully to make one. But he's not making. I think me. that one of the things about it is that, like, I put Fruit Loops um, in it. If you were to look at like <laughs> other, yeah, if you were to I, look at like other light loggers, yeah, like, um, like a Coors or a Bud or something like that, yeah, they're so bland that the blandness is something to talk about. Okay, you know, like for for really great Hellas, it is just such a great beer that it it your first couple of sips are like, Oh God. Yeah, that's great. And then it's just like, then you're just drinking. And that's beer. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if it's too, if it's too interesting, it, it's distracting from its own drinkability. It, it hella should be the most drinkable style of beer. I give you that. Well, and this is 4.7%. So already I'm like, Not big. no, I'm in love with it, man. Don't you think it's yeah. a, with loggers in general though, it's about a, it's a thing where, they, it's almost like they need a better press agent, you know. It's like yeah. it, there's, you know, with, yeah. with I mean, look, I, I'm look, I, I, I buy to the whole idea about you know beer. Beer has kind of evolved, and it's a little bit different than it was when I, when I was you know starting. And it's certainly like you know you're adding different like new age ingredients. Let's call them that. And uh, you know, and, and you're taking pictures of it, and the and the cans look interesting, and it's it looks great, uh, you know, on certain social website sites like Instagram. But yeah. it's like, doing? but loggers in general are just like, they're so like what you said. They're just you just don't know you don't, if you don't notice them, then you're doing then somebody's doing it right. And yeah. I feel like they don't get a lot of attention because they're not like sexy. They don't. They don't have the. They don't. They're not bright and colorful, and they're not a silver ball that attracts somebody. Well, do you think part of that is 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 the <clears throat> the sort of the way that craft beer took off was the rebellion against the macro loggers, right? And so I, I think yeah. I think it was 
well, let's poo-poo lagers and let's go ales because that's really handcrafted. More there was flavor. no, yeah, more yeah. flavor. There was no real differentiation. And I think now it's sort of just woven into the fabric of what craft beer is or independent beer, whatever we're calling it now. Um, where it's like, well, anything that's just a lager doesn't really taste like anything. But here we have a you know imperial you know banana boat lactose you know fruit loop beer that you can only get four squirts of in an eyedropper a year. That's yeah. the beer that you got to chase. I completely agree with that. I mean, I like, look, I said on a video once, you know, a popular video that was, remember the I Am a Craft Brewer video? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah. I don't put rice or corn on my beer. Guess what I do? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really about... Because you're a liar. I think at the, at the time it was about the idea, what you said, JP, was that it was a reaction towards the big Mac, the huge breweries at the time, and how they make beers which actually if you really get into the history of it where they they had to do it because the malt was crappy back in the day and they were trying to make you know they were trying to make uh continental lagers which you know kevin could probably get into a little bit deeper but um but it was really kind of uh, the idea of adding like an adjunct was sort of you know m- spoke more to those big huge companies and what they stood for you yeah know, which, which was like the watering down of 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 uh you know if I could our, turn our, script, our style, so oh, I can turn the script on that on that note in particular that the Brewers Association, a lot of my peers have said that you know using these adjuncts is to cheapen, lighten the flavor. I think that if you talk to a lot of the big brewers, they don't feel that way, oh, and yeah. I can tell you from experience that buying rice for making beer with is far more expensive than buying barley. Yeah, hmm. um, rice is sold on the table as a food product and barley, you can't just, you're not going to buy a sack of barley at the grocery store to go cook food for your you know family with really barley's other, the only other avenue to set to sell barley is feed for uh, cattle. Um, yeah. So it ends up being incredibly cheap. Yeah. And in the 1870s, when I was born, uh, you know, when the, you know, the big, you know, when the, when, you know, yeah. the Germans were immigrating to both Mexico and also the U S they were like, they had to use rice and, and corn because, and it was more expensive. Yeah. Well, also, we grew a lot of, in America, we grew a lot of rice and corn. Um, and there's actually kind of an interesting book that's going to be coming out, if I'm going to shout out anybody. Um, it's Greg Casey. Um, he's writing a book about how German brewers, before Reinheitsgebot, uh, before Reinheitsgebot was enforced, which was right around the same time as the, um, the Third Reich taking control, Okay. Um, and the whole nationalism thing. Before that, German brewers were making beers with rice and making beers with corn, um, hmm. and they were not following the Um So it, it, I think that it's a narrative that is going to change over the next ten years, as far as craft brewers go, is how we we approach adjunct, um, because in the States we grow a lot of rice and a lot of corn and we're proud of the stuff that we grow. And I, I see no reason that we can't make beer with it. Um, I found that the rice beers that we've made at Wayfinder have been amazing. They've added a complex layer that, um, that weren't there before. Mm -hmm. If I can get to any level, I know this seems a little controversial, but if I can get to any level to to explain this, I want to say like, bring it back to music. Um, when craft beer got really popular in the eighties and nineties, it was like this anti everything was like pop music just really dumb stupid radio hit crap <laughs> and then you had all these punk rockers being like screw you guys we can we can come up with this and you had the doom metaler guys going like oh yeah well we can just like fucking 
Let's you know, yeah, let's last loud shit. Drop to and everything. <laughs> and then it's like, we've gotten to this level. It's like, but can you write a great pop song? <laughs> you know, like, and people are saying, well, like, actually, like a really great complex pop song might be the the most punk rock thing that we could have done, <laughs> you know, or something like this. Yeah. What the, are you saying about punk rock? The philosophy yeah, of I music. Know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like uh, I just I just feel like you're a Steely Dan fan, aren't you? <laughs> Don't you? <care>. Pig <laughs> decocked my beer. Uh, tell me a little about this Hellas, if you wouldn't mind, please. Uh, you know, if you got a little Grainville action going on. Um, so this one is just Pilsner malt. We use Barca Pilsner from Weirman and Hertzbrucker and Perla. That's it. That's it. That's Damn. it. There's some acidulated malt to balance the pH. We carbon filter our water and we use, you know, obviously snow runoff water in Portland from Mount Hood. And, um, we add a little calcium. That's it. That it is thirty-four seventy. And so this is what like a is it just a single decoc? So this beer we don't do any decoction on. And no decoction. Uh, we okay. do four step uh, a four step mash. Four step mash. Okay. Well, look it, for me, it's the same thing. I don't know. It's I'm very kidding. similar. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, because that is that is a that is there is complexity in that malt. Yeah, for just a single malt, there's definitely layers of of of. I mean, it has it has body for four point seven percent beer. It doesn't taste. It might that. actually be four point nine. Don't tell the TTB. He didn't say that. <laughs> well, to anybody who's listening there, he who didn't just did. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Kevin just said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Uh, wow, that's very good, and it has yeah. that. It has that kind of uh, little 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 bitterness at the end too, which I oh. like. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you. I, yeah. I think when we got it tested at Whitmer, it was all of 17 BUs. Um, it comes across as bitter because the beer is really dry and it's, yeah. we carbonate it well. What does it finish so at? We carbonate it to two, uh, the mint two sevens. Um, obviously, it loses some in packaging, and we don't have a way of testing the carbonation at package after packaging. Okay. Because we're just a small little brewery. Because man, you got that that like perfumey <laughs> cereal malt thing happening, and, you know, in like that beer. mid palate. I don't have any of it left. <laughs> that uh, you know that sort of earthy hop thing going on at the end, and it just it cleans up really well. But the hops sort of stay at the end, which yeah, you wouldn't I, think I about think for such a, a low beer. This, and this is the if I can give any tips for people brewing lager beers, um, it's the opposite of a lot of the IPA. Um, things you do for hops. With IPA, we think about a lot of what, what we call hop bursting, the adding the hops at the whirlpool, adding the hops at the very end, not adding any bittering hops, adding them in the dry hop as late as possible, trying to focus on oil. Um, that's not the way German beers have ever been made, and it's not the way that <laughs> the best German beers are made. Right. Um, now, that's just my personal opinion. I believe that a lot of these German hops, you got to boil it. Um, so this beer is made with Perla and Hertzbrucker. There's a first word hop, a little bit. Um, the most of it goes on at the very beginning of boil. There's an hour and a half boil. Um, and then we reserve just a smidgen, about a half a pound per 10 barrels of Hertzbrucker at the last 10 minutes, just to give it a little kiss of that. Smidgen, though, and a kiss. A smidgen. Smidgen, a and kiss, smidgen and a kiss, man. Yeah. Sounds like That's my prom name. date. Mm. I like it. New IPA name. That's very good, man. The 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 label's pretty metal too. Look at that. You got a little flying skull going on. <laughs> I love it. Is yeah. this a is this a year round beer? 
Uh, yeah, that's our that's our flagship. This is your flagship. See, I don't think you can pull that off. I mean, maybe somewhere in the Midwest, but you can't. I don't think you can pull off a, a, a Hellas as your flagship in too many places in the country. It, we're lucky that we're in Portland because this is like Portland beer drinkers have so many options. So it's kind of like, hey, all you crazy beer drinkers who only drink lager, yeah, you got a brewery, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. Hey, you Rainier uh, heads, what's going on? That doesn't really work in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa, but <laughs> it doesn't, it, there's not enough of them. This is good. This is really good, man. Wow. I, I really think that in, uh, a lot of people a lot of people God. go, oh, the lager thing won't work here. I think more people just try it. I think it will work. You just kind of have to like yes. you have to double down on on making great beer and packaging it and making it look good and telling people that it's good to drink. Um, yes. Like our beer is not uber cheap, like uh, like commercial lagers. Um, people are willing to pay for it because they they know it's really good. So when when you were setting up the the brewery, how did you how did you plan for making a bunch of lagers? Did you have extra tanks? Because the the one theme that I you know that we hear about a lot on the show is, well, it's really hard to do lagers because it ties up tank time, and you know the tanks are expensive when you're just starting out. So most that's why most craft brewers don't start out doing loggers but how did you plan for that yeah well, we weren't the only ones to to build a logger brewery i mean gordon biersch also um so we looked at a lot of other people how they did it um our beer we we don't do eight week log loggering on everything if you look at the technical side of logger brewing the when i was in germany studying brewing at Dumens, they would say whatever the original degree play-doh is of the beer one week longer is how long it takes to make. So if you were to make a 12 Play-Doh Hellas, that's a 13-week brew day to package day beer, hmm. which is that's insane. <laughs> <It's> insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine your 18 and a half Doppelbach, you know, like wow. uh, in, for, for, for what we do, we focus on um, a couple of things. <laughs> it's kind of I don't, I don't try not to get too technical but like there's a there's a brewing guy at the VLB named Narciss we read a lot of stuff that he's written mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact quote but it was something in the degrees of if you can get it to you know a, a day at 30 degrees Fahrenheit is going to be equal to a week at 36 so getting it as that cold as you too. can get it mm-hmm. without without freezing it um, is it's, it's kind of like the law of thermodynamics when you increase the temperature you can Increase the rate of reaction. Uh, when it comes to lagering, if you can decrease the temperature, you increase the rate of lagering. Um, wow. You're doing all the things that you want to do. The yeast is flocculating better. Um, it is. You're tying in those protein polyphenol chains. Um, they're longer. They're falling to the bottom. Carbonation is happening better. All those things. Okay, and uh, so you guys just really get it as cold as possible for storage, sort of. Absolutely. Increase yeah. the age aging time or, or sort of enhance those flavors that you normally get? Decrease so the aging time. Is, yeah, yeah. So how long is your Hellas in a tank? Four weeks. Okay. I think that's... Which is a long time. That's a long time for in, the, in, the, in the craft world, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. for a lager, it's probably... Normal. Yeah. It's normal. <laughs> yeah. A little, actually, a little less than you'd think. Okay. Um, there's a lot of... I mean, we're, we're downtown. Real estate is expensive, so... Um, I don't have the option of buying a bunch of old horizontal dairy tanks and leaving them there for eight weeks. So this is what we're doing. Um, yeah, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, man. That's fair. Our IPAs are, you know, 18-day beers, you know, between dry hop and actually getting the hops out of there without using a centrifuge. That's as fast as we can get it done. We're still a pretty small brewery, so... What uh, what's um, what's your barrel size uh, of your of your brew house? We have a ten barrel system. A ten barrel and system. We have eight twenty barrel fermenters. Wow. We're putting in three more forty barrel fermenters um, in about three weeks. Nice. Are you gonna put in uh, nice. some horizontals? Uh, no, no horizontals. I would like to, but maybe not at this location. Maybe if we over open up another one, um, it would it would kind of change everything up <laughs> by doing that. I would like to put in like one horizontal and like make a beer and let it sit in there for a really long time. <laughs> what would be the uh, the advantage of, of doing that? Okay. What would be the advantage of Meritson? Yeah. Actually, Meritson, like uh, historically, you would make that thing at the end of spring, you know, right before it got too hot to brew anymore. And then you'd put it all in barrels and shove it in the cave all summer while you were. Shove it in the working. cave. <laughs> shove that shit in the cave and then. Uh, <laughs> When you start bringing in the next harvest, and it's like, oh, pull out the old stuff. We got to finish it up before the new stuff gets brewed. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty much the MO. Damn. And a horizontal tank would sort of help with the aging, or or, or why a horizontal over a vertical for that? Uh, it's less room for the yeast to fall. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll help. It'll help with clarification. Okay. Okay. Love it. Uh, what should we try next? And by we, I mean me. I think you try the check pills. Hell yeah. Or the glass dolls. Ooh. It's up to you. Well, I did just pull the glass dolls out, so uh, Italian. What are you drinking now? Your beer got I am to- drinking a new beer we just came out with. What's that? It's called Gravity Drop. Ooh. This is a Baltic Porter. Oh, I saw, that. Beer. I saw that post. Oh, yeah, cool. It's the biggest beer we've ever made. <laughs> it's about 9.1%, so I'm nice and loose for this thing. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way the old brewing uh, network days were we would be like oh my god we'd be around the table in the garage would be all loose and it would be and you know blobber gop would be calling it that's true <laughs> now it's just me in my in my studio and your back pain going well i'm here we go i took a nap today so i can finish this show my uh, toes going numb i yeah, can't drink anymore <clears throat> what's happening uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, Sully, you could appreciate this, uh, Kevin, I apologize. Speaking of, uh, old, uh, speaking of getting old, I ran into Crazy Jack the other day. Oh, wow. Remember Crazy Jack? Yes. All you old being listeners? He was, uh, Kevin, he was a longtime listener, home brewer, um, amateur puppeteer. Yeah. And he, oh, cool. and he made, yeah, he made a puppet for, uh, Vinny from Russian River, <clears throat> the Vinny puppet. Did he have like a beard and he's like he would a show small up on the beard sometimes? <clears throat> he would come into the show and he was he, yeah. he would like to, to uh, massage you. He'd like to give yeah, up he massages. He did touch me a few times. I'm yep. still getting over that, but go ahead. Um anyway, I ran into him. He's you know, he's still doing great. Uh you know, he's obviously getting older, but uh he still like emails Vinny. Vinny and him talk like <laughs> once a week. And I'm like, I would love, I would love to know what those fucking emails, dude. Like? I know, I would love to know those emails because, like, Vinny's such a nice guy. Where he's like, yeah. I, you know, I, what am I gonna do? Not, you know, whatever. Would it be funny if he told you during that run and, like, you know, yeah, I've got like four cases of Pliny the Younger. What, what's I don't. <laughs> Vinny just sent it to me. I have 100 whatever. computers and I'm just buying all the Pliny. No, he didn't fine. even have to buy it that way. He just got them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, People shouts out, Crazy Jack. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, I know. That's it's a kinda, great story. It's wow. kind of random. That brain cell just fired. <laughs> uh, glass dolls, uh, Italian style pilsner. First of all, this uh, I love your your uh, your label art. Yeah, that's that awesome. great. Yeah, that's tight, man. It's like very like seventies like. I don't want to say grindhouse films because I don't really know what that means, but that's what I that's what I imagine. I don't know why. Well, yeah, we were trying to do the whole Italian horror film, you know. There montage, you go. It worked. Like, and that stuff. It worked. I didn't even know it worked, and it worked. So there you go. Uh, so um, what's one an of Italian the owners is a guy named Orion, and um, he he's the one who does all our design labels. He's uh, pretty much Wayfinder. <laughs> like Orion is uh, he's a crazy old you know he does like a lot of album art and he knows all the bands oh nice and he's just a really great guy to drink tequila with if you want to <laughs> I kind of do I kinda, honestly uh, uh, that's tight questions. man <laughs> so Italian style Pilsner now refresh my memory on this this is basically like a dry hop Pilsner or, or what's the what's the style yeah, I mean, yeah, most of them are dry hopped, but um, I think that when we talk about Italian pills, we're talking about like the Italian craft um, beer industry mm-hmm. and trying to make beers like those guys are doing it. Yeah. Um, I How are they doing them. it, by the way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was back in like in, let's back get in 2006. On. I was like, a, I was at the Slow Food Festival, and all the Italian craft brewers were there, and it was like they didn't know if they wanted to be lager breweries, ale breweries, or Belgian breweries, yeah. and it was like, it was like, it was like Star Trek watching a planet being born. It was wild. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Like, by the way. I kind of feel like it's a very the Italian pilsners are very European pilsners. I feel like a lot of American people try to or American brewers try to make an Italian pilsner, and it just doesn't taste like a European beer. But like, if if, how, if how I do you mean? say that like what a, what an Italian pilsner really is is like it's a German pilsner with just a, a lot more showboating. Okay. You know? <laughs> okay. Which sounds Italian. I don't know Italian why. Sounds very exactly. Italian. So what kind of hops do you use when you make an Italian pilsner? <laughs> we usually almost use German pils or German hops. I'm sorry. All okay. Hops. <laughs> um, so it's a German beer. <laughs> eh, you know, Germans would never make beer like this. <laughs> they would never overhop it like that. Is no. what you're saying? Exactly. <clears throat> okay. So like, so like with glass dolls and with this other beer that we did, Terrifica, um, what we were trying to do is like kind of emulate some of the beers that we had at the Pilsen Love Festival. Um, I don't know if you guys know, are familiar with Pilsen Love. Yeah, uh, it started. It started at, oh, it was called Pils Pride in Italy, and then they did one in the United States at Oxbow a couple of years back, and then uh, I think it was at least two years ago, maybe three years ago, when they did the one in. Firestone down in Buell, uh, down in uh, Reno del Rey, mm. and uh, me and Lisa from Heater Allen and some of the friends from Modern Times, we were all down there just drinking all these Italian beers from like Rifco Italiano. We're like, these are freaking great. They're so different than all these all these German pilsners that we've ever had. You know, they're just more expressive. They've got more swagger. They're just more showboaty. They're everything. They just seem so more Italian, you know. <laughs> and so we're saying, well, let's get together and let's make this beer and let's call it Italian Pilsner. Let's try to do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so we dry hopped it. Um, we used a lot of uh, German style hops. At the time. I think we were using Tetniger and Middlefru and Spalt, just a t- ton of low alpha hops. And then we dry hopped. Terrifica with Polaris and Technica. And with Glass Dolls, we used a different um, German hop 
all of these are from the Hewlett Institute. We use, uh, I, I, what do we use? Ariana, hmm. the Ariana hop and middle fruit. Uh, but there's a lot of really cool hops coming out of the Hewlett, uh, the, uh, Hewlett uh, Institute that have been really interesting. And I really think that they're, I think they're kind of trying to grow them, trying to be like for the American brewers, but I think they make way more sense in German beer. <laughs> I mean, I, I can sort of <clears throat> see that in the aroma because it is, I don't want to say it's like tropical, but there is sort of a like a dried fruit complex thing going on where, yeah, maybe they're, they are trying to like, you know, hey, here's a custom hop for the American market that's sort of European because there's like an earthy component there too. But it is, you know, uh, new wave continental or whatever. It is, it is new sort of a fusion... A fusion thing, man. Because it, sm- yeah, it smells think, uh, great. Um, my 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 thing is that when you try Italian Pilsner's made in the states, it it almost makes more sense to call it dry hopped new lager. Yeah, because American brewers kind of um, I don't know if this is a news flash, but we're a bit heavy handed on everything. So <laughs> that sounds so American too. Dry hop new lager. You'll enjoy right. it, everybody. When you say Italian lager, you like you mentioned like a very tight blue suit, and yeah. you're smoking cigarettes outside, and it's yeah. very Italian. So stealing culture from the Greeks. I don't know. Sorry, I'm still bitter about it. It's back right. to the it's Greeks. Fine. Yeah, you look. Always going back. You got to bring it back to at least once a show. I have to just remind everybody. Um, from yeah exactly uh yeah I mean yeah Italian pilsner new dry hopped content whatever um Italian style pilsner to me is also sort of inviting at the same time because you go oh that's a new a new it style really good yeah yeah and it really is and it is very um I like it it's very uh, I don't know it, I, I don't say it's sharp in any way but that's because that's not what I mean but like a, a pilsner is you know clean and you got that malt and it's like you know perfumey and whatever and this sort of has a rustic edge to it which lends itself very well to the uh the hops that you chose with it it's very it, it all wraps itself up very very nicely this is a very good beer no thanks yeah i, I think that it also for us like we want to make a lot of different pilsners so we make a german style pilsner god bless we you almost always have a czech style pilsner so i'm like well we need to have more like my dream is to somehow build another restaurant called the Pilsner Palace and just have 10 Pilsners on tap. I need to, I tell you what, the greatest moment, the the greatest moment in my entire life, my entire life. Was when you got married. No. Was, <laughs> you would think that, but, you know, I'm a real man, so I can't, I can't show emotions. Um, I forget what the fuck we were up in Portland for, but it was like, you know, the BN or whatever. I think it was probably Homebrewcon, and I, I think we walked into walked into some restaurant, and they were having a a logger a logger fest. Huh. I th- actually I think it was for maybe CBC or whatever. Who cares? It was for some. Was it the thing. White Owl? Yes, I think so. You went to the log that that okay that was. It was like a steak. It's like a steakhouse. Oh no! I went to some place. It was like a steakhouse. <laughs> And then at the bar, this big oak bar, and it was just a double-sided long sheet, and everything was a fucking lager. And I was that with, might have just been the steakhouse. Uh, maybe <laughs> who knows, man? It was like 
Morton and I were like, I, I don't know what to do right now. We're sort of half fucking pissed anyways. Is that Acropolis? We just, I, we had to go. Not that steakhouse. No, not that steakhouse, no. Uh, but it was the greatest moment in my entire life because everything on that list was great. Every beer I had was amazing. And like, I can't, I can't find anything out here like that. And maybe if I, if I lived like in Portland and I had access to great pilsners like these, maybe yeah. I wouldn't care so much anymore. Maybe like, oh, okay, maybe let's try something else. But... For me, out here in East County, where there's, there's, you know, eight oh five is about as crazy as people get. Um, it's uh, it, this is great. Uh, what's the, the the grain bill? Is it is it still just a single base malt? Yeah, you ready for it? Yeah. Floor malted Bohemia Pilsner. Damn, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Drop the mic. Is this de- is this uh, decocted? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Just your four-step rest? And it's 14 days. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it's actually not even done. You're not even... It's fermenting in the can right now. Um, yeah, we... Uh, well, we focus on making the beer as dry as possible. I mean, not as dry as possible, but, you know, we, we make them finish. really dry. Um, this beer, I think it finishes at, like, 81 to 83% apparent degree of fermentation. Um, so we, we try to get them bone dry, and if we can balance that with that hot palate of vegetable matter and the boil i think that that really and carbonation like that i think that um crap brewers should talk more about carbonation as being an ingredient um because it is hmm. uh, getting How are you that carbonating yeah How i mean are you carbonating we spoon everything or we uh kreutzen. so we do uh with this beer we actually do a dry hop kreutzen um so we'll finish that we'll ferment this out to dryness and then we'll get another batch of either Czech Pilsner or Hellas up to High Kreutzen. So it's at, you know, day two or day three. Um, so if it's like a 12 Plato beer, it's like an 11 Plato and it's rocking and rolling. We'll pull a keg or two out, usually about two to three kegs, and we'll push it into the glass dolls keg or uh, tank. And then we'll add the dry hops and bring it up to 15 PSI and ferment it, ferment that. Um, uh, fresh fermenting wort on the hops in the tank and get all the carbonation that way. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> so that's a way that we scrub oxygen because when you add dry hops, you're going to add oxygen. And we don't want oxygen. So um, it's also a way of doing biotransformation on your um, on any dry hop. So we do that for the relapse IPA, the chronokinetic that Sean was having earlier, um, glass dolls, terrifica, those kind of beers. Because you're, are you, so you're doing dry hops for more for the f- flavor, and and this is me. I haven't homebrewed in like four years. I'm I'm gonna get back into it like next week. Have, I have it. I don't know. Um, no, no. I'm brewing next week. I say start with English bitter. Yeah. I'm yeah. starting with a mild. Starting with start a black with mild with uh, with kvike yeast because I don't know. I want to be super weird. But so are you? So w- <laughs> when you, you put the dry hops in and you ferment, that's gonna blow off a lot of the aromatics. So you are you mostly getting like a lot of flavor from from that? Um, sorry, what? <laughs> so you, we're going to blow off? Quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're making an assumption. I'm sorry. Yeah, I am making an assumption. You're absolutely right. So when, when you put the dry hops in and then you ferment on those dry hops, in my opinion, or from what I understand, all of the aromatics are going to blow off, or a lot of them, and are you getting flavor out of out of those dry well, hops? Well, we're, we're fermenting them under pressure at 15 PSI. So we're not so it all stays in. blowing them off anywhere. Got it. Okay. All right. I understand now. Huh. 
It's a good beer. And, you know, look at that. F- sub 5. 4.5. See, this is what I'm saying, man. You guys, we, we can make good beers that are under 5%. Yes, you can. God. And I, I didn't think you could put beers under 5% on a label and people would buy it, but they will. So there you go. Is um, it in the better for you category, though? Yeah. Sure. It's better for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean said it first. <laughs> uh, Kevin, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, try the other two beers, talk about anything you got coming up, um, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Sounds great. Is that cool? All right. Everybody, hang on. This is the session. We're going to be right back. You're tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. All right, thanks for hanging on, everybody. It's the session. We're here with Kevin from Wayfinder. And, Kevin, I, I have some people in the chat room commenting uh, about uh, they are demanding um, Terrifica. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're demanding us talk about also the the YOB collab. Mm. I'm assuming it's YOB and not YOB because it's all it's capital Yob. letters. It is YOB? Damn it. It is YOB. See, they threw me with the all caps. Um, and that's something that uh, that you guys do. You're, you're you're doing a few collaborations with uh, with with bands. Oh yeah. So, um, like I said before, um, some of the ownership group is one of the guys started Relapse Records. Orion, the guy who does all our art, wow. is big into record labels, and he, he's an artist and he does all the stuff. He knows all the guys from Yob. He did um, Yob's album cover, and we really like those guys. And those guys are really into beer too. And so it came like hey can we do this beer and in honor of you guys and put your name on it Damn, <laughs> you know dude. and they were into it and we were into it and so we did it um i was trying to think of what would be like as sludgy and doom they're a local eugene band here in oregon and um what would be really like both both sides and so i was just like quad the cock to doppelbach I can't even say that out loud. God what damn. <laughs> How long did that I take? Like a, somebody say, like, it's one of the producers, um, some guy from Shelton, he's like, you might be the only quad to cox Doppelbach in a can ever. <laughs> That's a pretty good bragging right. It beat all the Germans on that one. Yeah, <laughs> man. How, uh, what was that brew day like? It sounds uh, awful. It was, we had this other brewer named Ben who started um, a brewery called Otherlands up in Bellingham. Okay. And we used to, Orion and I used to call him try hard because he just always wanted to do the most difficult things. We love that. We love him to death. But yeah. He's like, quad the coffee? Hell yeah. I'll start at five in the morning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm bring in my own coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so like Ben started this thing at five. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll come in at 11. And so like that just became like what we did. Damn. I was there until like 10 o'clock. It was, it was a fun, it was a fun beer. And now our sales team's like, well, we need to do two tanks of that next year. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you I'll do two tanks until the day it happens, and then it's just not going to fucking happen. Yeah, for sure. Are you still – is it is that a beer that you make uh, like seasonally, or was it a one-off? Uh, no, we've made it every year since. So I think it's – Damn. I think we're on our third turn of it. So we make it uh, somewhere in September and release it in December. And what's we'll the, do the thing for a long time too? What's the market like for a quad decocted <laughs> Doppelbach, man? Huge, is, dude. You have no idea. I don't. You have no idea. It's no. upsetting. I didn't in Portland, think it South would be a big deal. Amazing. It's a fucking big deal. Like, really? 
it sells out uber fast. God, Portland is such a Portland. It might as well be on fucking Jupiter, dude. Like that makes no sense to me in the craft sphere of things. You guys will catch up. It's all right. I wish. What are you brother. saying, Kevin? <laughs> I think uh, what I think of what he's saying, Sully, is you need to do a quad to cock the Doppelbach for me. Well, I can't do that. I have a big system that can do a lot of m- wonderful things, but I cannot. I cannot pull grain out and boil it and send it back in. Well, not with an if attitude like it, that. They will come. But you are inspiring. I will say that. I've actually uh, been taking notes here, and uh, we'll talk on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so finally, uh, uh, finally, after after an hour and a half of me prattling on, is this decocted? Is this decocted? Uh, I opened up your your Chextile Pilsner uh, CZAF, uh, and it says right there on the side, decocted Pilsner, which yeah, number one kudos <laughs> kudos to you for. Um, you know, putting it's like a tattoo. Yeah, something complicated like that on the label and expecting people to to know about it. I guess um, I think that's cool. I think that speaks to your your uh, your clientele that they're smart enough to know what that means. Um, well, you know, the only the only way you can do that is just kind of like put it on there and assume that they're going to figure it out. I think that a lot of we, I got a little pushback on that. Like, I really wanted to say the cocktail pills here. And I really wanted to have like low ex- low explanation on the cans, yeah. low explanations on the sales sheets, because <laughs> why inform them? <laughs> <laughs> because we've got Fuck a bunch the of Gen people. X people in our system, like Sean. That uh, <laughs> I'm on the border, by the way. But yeah. keep going. <laughs> You're not on the border of nothing, brother. Pretty much a boomer. Yeah, he's a boomer and a half. Um, we'll kick you. I think that, like, I think that, like. My gen, like the the younger generation doesn't need to be told how everything works. They want to look it up on Google. I agree with they, that. True. And so, like, if I say decocted pilsner, people will go like, "These people suck. They're not explaining what it is." It's like, no, no, no. They're just gonna go find find out what decoction is. They're like, "Oh shit, these guys are like fucking kind of class to make a decoction." <laughs> and they'll do it in that face and that voice. <laughs> I feel like we just had a sales meeting. It's really good that I had this Baltic porter because I'm way loose now. Good. Dude, you're always loose. Be quiet. Okay. Yeah, be, be loose, be quiet. So, decoction. <clears throat> Hour and a half or so. What's uh? What do you ferment this Pilsner at, first of all? Uh, what temperature? Yeah. Um, In Fahrenheit, please. Uh, we, temp- <laughs> we ferment I'll, all our lagers. I'll just Google similarly. Um, Around 54, 52, somewhere in there, you know. And, um, 54 all so, the money, actually. I'll be honest. <laughs> what's the yeast you use? We use 3470. Okay. Uh, and what's the malt? Do you know what that is? <laughs> no, that's the, it's that Y yeast, but I don't know what that is. I hope it's the Saison yeast. Do you use Y yeast because, you're lo- because they're local? No. So, okay. No, Sean. Let me tell you something, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Sorry I'm having to do this. But um, so Y yeast has a, a yeast called 2124. Um, I don't know the White Labs number on it. BSI just calls it 34.7. Feinstefan calls it 34.7. You can get safe staff lager. It's 34.70. It's all the same. It's all the same yeast. Okay. Okay. Imperial, I think, calls it global. Those suppliers would not say that, actually. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, no. no. I don't care. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you what it is. It's all the same yeast. This this is a firm bitterness check pills, man. I've never had like a real... 
check pills before, but I, uh, but reading about it and hearing about it, I can imagine that this is what it is. That is a, a firm, sharp, bitter backbone. See, that was my reaction when I had that beer as well. But uh, again, it like it dovetailed quite similarly to like having Pilsner Raquel in mm. in Prague, which was like, I mean, it was. It was like, oh my god! You get it over here, and it's flabby. It's not as bitter, and it's, it's yeah. like it seems maltier, and it's like, it's falling apart a little bit. Uh, but yeah, the best yeah, pilsner kell, sharp. The best pilsner kell I've ever had out here is from the can. You get it out of those fucking green bottles, man, and it, it's it's an entirely different animal even in a can out here. Um, I can only imagine what it is. Like. I was almost turned off by it in Prague. I was like, because hmm. it didn't make sense to me, and I don't know if there was like then I was like having this internal conversation with myself, which I do sometimes. Actually, quite often, where yeah. I was thinking, like, but not it's now. a different. They're wrong. making a different beer over there than they're sending over here. <laughs> no, they're not. Don't tell me that. I, I, I want to believe that. I think I really think, and I, I felt yeah. this way, the, the same way. Like when I was going through Germany mm-hmm. and drinking the beers that I thought I loved, and being like, "This isn't. This is like completely different." Mm-hmm. I think the difference is that I really like the beers. Like I think the biggest aha moment was actually like West Mall Triple. Hmm. Remember having yeah. that in like Bruges and being like, "Holy shit, this beer is bitter as fuck." It smells like hops. <laughs> yep. Like I don't remember it was. It, I remember it being so sublime having it at like Browers in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And over there, it's like a totally different experience. But it's even a better experience. It's like, holy shit! It's just not. It's just not aged. It's just. It's just so you, cool. You it's you are so, spot yeah. on with that. I mean, you ha- everybody if they have the means, you need to travel to Europe. You need if you know these beers that we enjoy over here, you have to try them over there. I mean, Orval over there is mm-hmm. like you know we had this tour you know from the the the, the former brewmaster, and we saw these like whole hot bags they would toss into the fermenters, and you're like yeah. it's just a, and then you would taste the beers like a completely different animal. Orval over there. I did the same thing because I, I did the Dumans thing and uh, we drank in their like cafeteria at Orval. Yeah. And Jean-Marie Rock, I, I, I yeah. who we were talking about, he like put on one of our students' cowboy hats and just poured us Orval right off the tap. It was one of the most amazing beer experiences I've ever Exactly. Had. Damn. And it tasted nothing like Orval in the States. No. But well, they also sell the, the, yeah. the, they sell like the fresher version and then they sell the aged version, which is actually kind of nice. You can get like the oh, yeah. two or three year old bottle version, and uh, the only experience I have is when is when Jay came back from Europe one time and brought uh, West Valeteran beers, like a you know the sample packs or whatever. Yeah, and those were two weeks old, and they were hand carried over and on the plane or whatever. And it's like like you guys are saying, you know, you you pop that, and you pour it in a glass, and it's aromatic with hops, but. Anything we get over here that comes through standard channels is not that at all. And that Westy Six, that green cap, yeah. uh, you know, a table beer is still like my pinnacle, my pinnacle beer. You know, it's like Rogue Shakespeare Stout just for, for you know, personal reasons. And then it's that beer is right under it because it's so fresh and complex, but but basic at the same time. You 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 couldn't get that over here. In, One of my favorite stories, way. I've said this a few times on different podcasts, but it was like, we went to the Pilsen Love Festival. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Just don't, <laughs> we just don't say that part. Just tell the this story. This is the only show I ever. I'm just such an idiot. Yeah. So um, it's fine. Yeah, be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was talking about uh, Suarez Pils, as Suarez out of New York, mm. and saying that was just like this amazing Pilsner. And I was at the Pilsen Love Festival, 
and they were they were right behind us and i tried the beer and i was just like it wasn't wonderful but then i did this lager fest in, in north carolina and i went to the suarez table and it was mind-blowingly good hmm. and i was just like oh shit it didn't have to go over three mountain ranges like that was the difference like my yeah. I, my beer in north carolina my beer sucked i was just like as you were like didn't fucking yourself <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm exactly where he was exactly. like it pissed me off it was the middle of summer and the same same it was with when we tried uh at the pills and love it was the middle of summer so you knew it was like i mean hopefully in a refrigerated truck but you don't know no yeah so, it's beat up. It's damn, shaking it's around over the mountain passes. Well, this one is great, man. I'll tell you what. For landing on my doorstep five hours ago, <laughs> and this is tasting pretty good. What's the put in a box two days ago? What's the malt? Uh, what's the malt bill like on this? Um, Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Bohemian Pilsner malt. Yeah. Fuck, man. You and your Bohemian Pilsner malt. So, what am I getting from the decoction? Why? Why are you decocting? What should, What should I be looking for in here? I mean, tradition, but like also you are liquefying all the grain that you're actually sending through decoction, you're liquefying everything about it. And it's hard to explain that if you've never done a lot of large decoctions, because if you, if you actually can see the spent grain, you can see the word, you can see uh, the louder ton. Um, usually when you see spent grain coming out in a, as a as a brewer it's like you can see like um it's it's, it's broken up it, it has a different look when it's, it's decocted the husk is completely separated from everything else hmm. like everything that was in the husk is completely liquefied so it runs off like a dream or it doesn't depending on how you did it <laughs> um and it's it, you get some color you get a lot more color if you have uh a direct fire system we don't so we um we add a bit of color malt just to get the color there okay. to make it look more like pilsner cal it's like a one percent of caribohemian okay um so i lied when i said it was just see I, and, and this is this is gotcha journalism i knew that about you and i wanted you to say it you played yourself chris hansen is coming in right now through the door anyway if you if you can like just think about like all of the all the starch, the amylopectin, amylose, and then all the proteins and everything else, beta-glucans, everything, all that building block cell stuff of the husk, just melt it and make it all liquid. That's what the coction does. Okay. So, yeah, but, but it was done in, uh, you know, back in the day when I was born because uh, yeah. there wasn't a way to step mash in a, in a single Jesus tank. what to do. Hey, Jesus, what do you do? <laughs> exactly. And I was just talking to him earlier today. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you had to remove the you had to remove the mash, heat it up, and put it back in because you had no other way of doing it. And so, but you're saying actually that it has a positive effect on the beer that you're trying to brew. It's just not a means of raising the temperature mm. of your of your of your mash profile. It's not only a means. So, like when you think about it, back then there was a lot of different ways in which you could make beer, just like there is now. You could mash it all with river water, cold, and then put it over a copper pot and and a fire and just stir it constantly until it boils. And that's how a lot of mash was done. And by doing that so slowly, it went through every single enzyme step. Um, and then into the point of complete liquidation. And then you would move it to a mash tun, put some like pine needles down 
and let the husks build it to its own filter media. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, that's how they did it back then. Um, but I think that as technology Do you think it's actually... Go ahead, sorry. As technology progressed, you would pull a, a, a sample out, boil it, add it back in. It makes more sense. But what I'm actually kind of keying on is that that you're seeing, because you're saying 70% is what you're pulling. You're pulling 70% out to decoct. I mean, that's huge. That's a huge amount. I mean, Yeah, I we think, do a huge amount on this beer. I mean, I think, uh, you know, 40% is like kind of 20 to 40 is like, but that's a lot. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, and you're, you have to be getting something beyond color and all that, like what you're talking about. Yeah. It has like a, a, a certain graininess that you can only get from decoction. So but how I, come well, I, it's funny because I've been trying to like monetize our decoction. Like I'm trying to like, how do I explain this to people? Like we do it, but like, what is the real point? Yeah. And how do I sell it? It's, it's really, really hard because like, I'm not trying to just sell it to people. Like, I'm like, Oh, we do this thing. So you want like, the well, greatest part do you do it? I'm like, nah, I don't know. You know like, well, so why don't, so how did you decide on 70%? Why not like 40, 20? I mean, why, why we so try much? a lot of different ways to do it with CZ, um, uh, with the check as fuck. It was literally just, I talked to somebody in Czech Republic and they kind of said, this is the way that we do it. And I said, oh, I'm going to try it. And then I tried it and it worked. <laughs> Cause I think with like Kieran Ichiban, they do like 25 to 40. Don't ask me why I know that, but uh, it's like, why do it's you know very that? low? It's a low number. And so I think that, but they're also making, well, it's their process, but I think that, I don't know when you're saying graininess, do you want graininess in that beer? I mean, yeah. Isn't the whole point of doing that is to avoid that, those sort of harsh tannic, you know, uh, tannin flavors? Well, here's the question: Does it taste harsh and tannic? No. Well, it. I, I didn't. I, I don't. I don't know. I have a. I have a no a cold IPA in front thinking? of me. No, it does not. Is it har- no, it's it very. Not? It's very smooth, and uh, complex. There's, but, you, but you said yourself that it tastes grainy. Yeah. I mean, it. it, <laughs> it, it, was a, it actually, if, that was a, almost like a if, deposition. You said yourself. <laughs> it's true. We're going to put the system on trial no, here, but, boys. But, um, it doesn't take, right. I mean, it tastes grainy. The decoction method is inferior. It tastes. You're using 70%. I can't even believe it. I may be a simple country brewer, but. Uh, um, it tastes like a cigar with a big ash thing on there, like distracting the jury. <laughs> it tastes. I remember Matt Brindleson, uh when oh, I worked you... with him. He w- he was like a very scientifically minded brewer, and I always loved him because he was always just like, "Well, proofs of the pudding. Let's go find out what it is." And oh, you think it's too grainy because you did this processing? Well, let's go taste it. Does it too grainy? No. Okay, moving on. You're mm. wrong. <laughs> you know and. I always really appreciate that. It's like we we hold all these like as brewers we hold all these like prejudices about how you should do things. You know, you can't ever sparge above 190 degrees because you're going to pull out all this graininess. It's, it's you are <laughs> no, it's bullshit. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we literally boil 70 percent of our mash and we don't get it grainy. Like we get we get a graininess, but it's not a harsh graininess. Like, yeah, I I think when you say graininess, Kevin, I I don't think I don't think it's what Sully means by graininess. I think you guys are using the same word for different for the different things. To me, it doesn't taste grainy, but I get grain flavor. In yeah. a in a good way. It's 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 more 
It's I'm like, talking about a harshness, you this know, not this there. sort of rough, like, you know, you're sparging, you know, your, your last runnings are below like one. You know, that's what I'm talking about. It's not that. No, that's not there. That's not there's there's well, no tannin. I mean, we're not making 21st Amendment beer. <laughs> I don't know even know what you just said right now, sir, but I still love you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, look, if, if it was there, just put some pomegranate in it. You'll be fine. And by the way, <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's 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 a good beer. So so I guess that begs the question: Why not decoct all your lagers? Why not? I don't know. Well, what we're, what, I mean, we're trying to achieve some things with some beers, and we're trying to achieve other things with other beers. Okay. The Hellas, we're not trying to get a lot of that. Um, that when you tried the Hellas, did you find it pleasant? Yeah, it's an amazing beer. So, like, I'm drinking it if again. If I were to decoct it, it might be a different type of amazing beer, but it won't be Hellas. Got it. <laughs> you know? Okay. I, I want it the- to be what I'm. I'm trying to make it. Yeah. So then, why why are you de- decocting something four times then? Because <laughs> because you have a guy that goes like, I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> some guy in a metal band's like, fuck yeah, this is like dude. Such a holistic argument, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of it has to do with history. A lot of it has to do with. Uh, by the way, I'm totally it? into it. A lot way. of it has to do with should we try? You know, a lot of it is like, well, shit. Yob said that, that we could make a beer for them. We better make it as epic as they make beer as they make music. You yeah. know, like I'm into it. You know, like I don't know. Like, did they come up with that style? Or are they are they big beer guys? Or they're big beer guys. Okay. But did they come up with a quadricock the doppelback? No, that that's what something we told them. We wanted to do. <laughs> now that being said, if if it sucked, we would have changed it. Don't you think? Like, yeah, for sure. We would. Um, and then I see in my notes here that uh, there's a band called Russian Circles. I'm not familiar with them, but you made a black pilsner for them. And then um, you are planning a summer release with a band I actually have heard of, Red Fang. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. What's that? Well, we're trying to do a malt liquor. <laughs> oh damn, dude! Trying, you know what? And like, like watching some of their videos right now, uh, uh, I could see that happening. I could see them, them being gonna, a malt liquor band. Hell yeah! These guys are really cool, and um, they're big fans of Wayfinder. We're big fans of Red Fang. They're they're on Relapse. They've been around uh, for forever. Yeah, big Portland band. Yeah, um, like we've been using our decoction kettle as a cereal cooker. So like. If you go to like a Miller or a Bud, they actually have a decoction kettle that they use to cook cereal grains. Um, I don't know if they use them anymore, but <laughs> we're using ours to cook cereal grains. I um, we're doing corn, rice, all sorts of stuff, and so we're trying to trying to make a malt liquor. Um, we're gonna put it in nineteen two ounce bottles and. I think it's going to fucking fly. Damn. <laughs> Bottles? Really? I think so, too. I'm sorry. Cans, I'm sorry. Cans. That's right, cans. Keep going. <laughs> That's all least catchphrase on this show, by the way, Kevin. I don't know. Right, settle down. <laughs> Jesus. Keep going. Um, all right. Well, I just cracked the last beer we have, which is the Relapse Cold IPA. Now, I don't know what this means, uh, but you and Sully have been talking about it like on the breaks, like this is the, the most common thing ever. Um, so please clue me in. What is a cold IPA? So our whole attempt to this was we wanted to make a beer that was not an IPL, but would fill that kind of hole. Um, I didn't want to make a beer that was... So what's an IPL, by the way? What is an IPL? It's... Uh, India Pale like, Lager. You, you keep on pushing me to try to be controversial. What, <laughs> no, I, no, but I... But I, no, I, I deal with all, IPL. All, all, all I was doing was like, I just wanted people to know what, what that was, because... You know, there's right. neophytes here. Uh, India Pale Lager. 
Indie Pale Lager. So I have a deal with IPL. I don't really like the term IPL. I hate it, by the way. What's that? I don't like it either. Keep going. I don't like it because I feel like most of the IPLs that I've ever tried, and I'm not saying all of them, so I'm just saying a lot of them, um, is brewers that are used to making IPAs saying, hey, what if we fermented this with a lager yeast? Exactly. Instead of a lager brewery saying, what if we made what is amazing about IPA with our technique? Um, that's what I want cold IPA to be. Uh, another another thing about IPA that I'm going to say is the term IPA doesn't really, to me, bl- mean it's from India. It doesn't mean that it's pale, and it doesn't mean that it's ale anymore. It, it all really the word IPA means is that it's hoppy as hell. Um, it can be an India white, or it can be a Belgian IPA, it can be a black IPA, it can be an imperial IPA, it can be all of these things. So for me, cold IPA means crushable, easy drinking, western and west coast. And how we achieve that is by using high adjunct, um, using lager yeast at warmer temperatures, or using Chico yeast, or using cold yeast at cooler temperatures, trying to get the yeast character low and the hop flavor high, um, and also getting the carbon malt gone. So it's more like a malt liquor, super clean, super dry, super hoppy American IPA. Yeah, but I it's think thin. like I think malt liquor actually kind of like takes people to a place that maybe you don't want them to go. I think what you're saying actually, and you and I have talked about this a lot, and I've actually I've embraced this. I've become like the cold IPA like disciple of yours which of course i'm so glad you have <laughs> no no i mean i did a collaboration with mitch Steele at new realm called cold rice uh a rice cold ipa um and we used a lot of i mean it was a i mean and i'm actually doing a collaboration with harbor brewing out in uh in cornwall in england with the same kind of concept and idea but i mean for me it's like it's it's to call it like you know a malt liquor i don't think that's right i think it does it justice i think it's and i actually i don't like the term crushable either so i have a lot of issues right now but <laughs> okay, for me i'll for change me, i'll change all that yeah, yeah lay, lay down on the couch sully lay down on the no, couch. it's fine i i pay somebody on monday to do that but for me it's like it's just like it's it's a beer that's it's got this christmas to it crispness to it it's actually and it, it's it's a beautiful like beer, but it has like this hop component to it. And it's from the lager yeast. It's from the hops that we're using. And I think it's, it's, it might be the whiskey talking right now, but I mean, it's an amazing beer. I mean, and your relapse to me defines the style. And, and I think that uh, we, we need to embrace it. And uh, I think that, you know, as much as you want to, you know, make quad like the new, the new style that people are drinking in Portland, I think, (laughs) I think, you know, cold IPA, Aside from being a great term and and, and and a great like way to describe what we're talking about, because yeah. I agree with you, the India pale lager is just like it's so sleepy. It's like it's yeah. like literally like let's just take our our IPA you know malt bill and our recipe and just throw lager yeast in it. That's bullshit. But you also do something yeah. different with it. You ferment your 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 lager yeast warmer, which you just talked about during the break a little bit. Yeah. So we ferment it like uh, for. Our cold IPAs like Relapse and the Chronokinetic, the one that uh, Sully's trying right now, um, 65 Fahrenheit. We actually uh, dry hop it and spund it at the same time, too, so we get our carbonation on the same level. We do that dry hop kreuzening. Um, It's also a very simple malt bill. It's just American Pilsner malt 
and either corn or rice at 20 to 30 percent. Wow. So incredibly dry, incredibly easy to drink. Cold IPA to me is a very, very sneaky IPA. It is. Yes. When you when you drink one of these things, it's just like, oh, my God, I'm having Chinook and Cascade and Motueka and all the hops that I that I love. Like, I take a sip and I smell it. Oh, it's wonderful. And then it's gone. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to have another sip. I'm not drinking the Relapse. I have, the, you know, this one here, but uh, the Chronic Connecting. But, I mean, yeah. It's so crushable, and I don't like that term at all. You don't like that but, term? No, I don't. I'm not going to say it again. But I've had a few beers right now. It, it's it's just amazing. I mean, what is it's, it? It's it's a it's a great beer. I mean, so the the relapse is Pilsner malt and rice. That's it. The fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> no, dude. This does not. It's, this it. does not. This does not taste like a beer with rice in it. It doesn't taste like a beer that's just Pilsner malt. This has a, a more depth of flavor it's 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 very round and so you can sort of get like the the lager parallels i appreciate you trying to find something to to replace ipl because i never understood ipl ipl was, was a mistake it was really really weird um but this is this is very very interesting i i mean i'm not an ipa guy this is seven percent this is out of my wheelhouse but you would never, you would never know it by drinking. You're gonna it. be okay. I'm gonna be fine for sure. Uh, my wife won't be, but I'm gonna be just fine. <laughs> That's right. Honey, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm drinking again. Here we go. Prepare my back hurts. You're calling in sick tomorrow. <laughs> but it, you know what I mean. Like if if you gave me this to go here, dude, try this. I would go, wow, this is a really, this is a lager with like crystal malt. But it, it's and, and that's that's. Think that there's crystal, like it tastes no, like there's crystal no, 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 no. I didn't mean that. I forgot who I was. Holy shit! I forgot that like you're like that you're very analytical shit. about it, which I appreciate. I didn't mean it like it's like oh, there's crystal malt, but it's like there is there's uh, enough body and there's enough there's enough of enough malt to kind of carry the hops and, and sort of carry everything around that. I wouldn't know that it's basically fucking Pilsner malt. I would never have guessed that. I would guess that there was some other sort of body enhancing malt going on. Um, so here's the controversial thing. Yeah. Rice has flavor. <laughs> Corn has flavor. Um, it's not just, it's, it, it is, a grain. it is a cereal. Like it is yeah, like barley. Right. It does have flavor. What Even kind of though American barleys are grown to have American malted barleys are grown to be absent of flavor, um, whereas European bar and, and I'm literally uh, this is going to be my hot take. The American <laughs> Malted Barley Association has been pushing for less flavor, more extract, mm. whereas the European counterpart is being saying no, we need to we need to keep making all malt beers, um, so we need high flavor. Are you ever going to go ahead? Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Sorry. I'm just trying to say that, like, I, I, I w- I'm looking forward to the, when craft has a bigger influence on the malted barley association on what gets grown in America. Yeah. Because um, malt right now is kind of boring in America. Yeah. And I think that you can see that in craft brewing and that where, where's in the last 20 years, where's all the flavor coming from? It's coming from the hops, never coming from. Um, it can, and it should be. 
<laughs> that's true. Are you ever interested in in playing with like like heritage corns? I know that's sort of the the, the new hotness in like distilling, or like the red yeah. butcher, or you know whatever. Um, and I've seen it a little bit in craft here and there, but uh, I feel like it's so hard to get that not everybody really you know does it. But are you are you be, that into I would adjuncts? Be very interested in it. Okay. Um, I don't have a connect. I just I was curious. If there's any connects out there, anybody want to sell me some corn or rice? I've been actually trying to find bits and ends of rice or what they call brewer's rice from anybody. I can't find it mm. right now. Like uh, our rice producer raised their price by 20 to 30 cents per pound. What? And it's what like higher than mean? it's considerably higher than Maris Otter. So we're, I'm just going to corn now uh, because rice is too expensive. You should you should talk to Grant Johnson, who used to be the head brewer way back in the day before I even got involved in brewing at Marin Brewing Company. He's in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. He would make a wild rice IPA wow. and all that. I mean, he was all about the rice. But there are all actually our craft maltsters out there that are actually giving us like, you know, you, you have... Uh, um, what's the one in Alameda? I'm drawing a blank right now because I've been drinking Admiral. whiskey. Uh, Admiral, thank you, sir. And there's Admiral, one in Col- yeah. there's one in Colorado. I mean, you have them up. You have them up north. You have uh, Sergeant Eric Youngren's uh, working right now. Uh, See, I don't need malted rice. I need rice because I have a cereal cooker. I can I can cook it myself. But you were talking about craft uh, malt, though. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't know you changed the subject of rice to malt. <laughs> no, I'm jumping around right now because I've been drinking whiskey. But um, <laughs> what no, whiskey but are you point, drinking? The point first is, of all. That, I mean, so you know, I, there is rice out there. There's wild rice that has amazing aroma uh, capabilities, and so yeah. I think you 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 have to find that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm looking. Anybody, give me a hint. Kevin at Wayfinder.beer. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Crowdsource this shit. Um, Ryan in the chat asks, uh, pills and rice in a single infusion temperature with two question marks. So um, I guess what's the mash Obviously, we don't do single infusion temperature because okay. we don't do single infusion on anything. Okay. However, um, cooking rice for, for like raw rice is a complex beer thing. And so I would not suggest that. If you're, if you're a home brewer and you're trying to make a beer with rice, you probably want to use um, a, a processed ingredient, like either a flaked rice. Yeah. Like I think Brees makes a flaked rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, or use like a rice sugar, like a rice sugar syrup. Okay. And this is any dextrose. Do you add dextrose in there? You, yeah. Corn okay. dextrose. Is okay. use, we use, uh, we use a, you know, a flaked rice actually in El Sully. No, don't worry, Kevin. I'll, I'll, I'll beep that out whenever he says it in the pod. So don't worry about it. So we'll usually use a flaked rice at Wayfinder 2, but then we'll boil it as well. Okay. Uh, because okay. we found that a lot of the flaked rice product that we could get was not uh, pre-gelatinized. That we would um, try to cook with it, and um, it wouldn't pass an iodine test. How are you doing that? You're just pulling it out and boiling it? Like, up? I mean, what's the temp? Um, the temp of our... Of the, the rice cooker, what do you what do you what are you pulling it out at? Uh, well, we mix it at fifty five degrees uh, Celsius, and then we do a gelatinization, a gelatinization rest at seventy seven to eighty, and then boil it for thirty minutes, and then add it back as a decoction. Is that appropriate, Sully? Do you do you uh, do you approve? No, I just actually was picking his brain. Uh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right. What are you drinking right now, Kevin? Um, I'm having a Heater Allen Merzen. 
Oh, right God damn it. You're living my life, Jesus. dude. How often do you use that yoga hook there on the back? Shelf, <laughs> on the right, right there. What is that? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I need to get rid of it. I it's like a, it's like a back rubber. It's kind of dumb. Ryan, Ryan, what's up, says, brother? Ryan says, Ryan says hello. What's up, yo? Hello, Ryan. Ryan, I can't, son? I can't wait for uh, the vaccine to come out and the pandemic is over, so you can DD for Sully and I as we drive around uh, in the back seat hugging. So what he just said is that he can't wait for you to uh, the pandemic to be over, so there we can hang go. out together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said. That's Don't worry, exactly. Ryan. I'll text you later. <laughs> He'll text you later. Yeah. <laughs> They have a special relationship. <laughs> we really do. It's a very a sensei, uh, you know, you do, kind actually. of a thing, man. Uh, no, that's for tomorrow. Don't do that. Sorry. <laughs> I was parenting there. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Never parent, man. Parenting is weird. Uh, Kevin, thanks, man. I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're like my my favorite uh, Dude, I, guest in recent memory because mainly because you sent pilsners. Uh, and loggers, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, oh, you're welcome. But also, man, you have a, 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 a lot of knowledge. You, you, you're doing some cool stuff up there, man, with a lot of this decoction and the, and uh, you know all that kind of funky stuff, man. And, you know, uh, I have to tell it's you, it's good that. to see. I'm, I'm, I'm like having it. the uh, the hidden uh, hand, which is a black lager, so Schwarzbier, oh. I would imagine. Um, it, I mean, this guy's the real deal. I mean, you know, turn your mic off right now, Kevin. But uh, okay. he is. He's doing amazing things, and you have to get up there. Yeah. You have to get to Portland. You have to you have to go to Wayfinder. You have to see what he's doing. The whole the whole plant there, the whole like experience, the food, the look, the feel. You will not be disappointed. No, it's uh, definitely it not. Absolutely wonderful. I'm actually it's only a little, ten hours away from the Bay Area, by the way. I'm actually a little upset that I didn't know about it last time I was in Portland. But uh, it's just a quick that's jaunt. That's on me, man. It's a yeah. quick jaunt. It's definitely worth it. Um, Kevin, uh, so it's Wayfinder. Dot beer is your website. That's right. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate yeah, it, man. Again, so much, you know, this is uh this has been really cool. Sully, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, it, it's coming been great. On. I think I've actually had more beer on the show than I have in a long time. So thank you very much. Nice. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Uh, before we get out of here, Sully, you want just to hear the quick feedback, the only feedback that we have in the last nine months. I want months? to hear the feedback, yes. Let's keep it positive. Um, it's from Paul um, from the Sunshine Coast in Australia. He says, hey, BN crew, I've been following on with the COVID versions of the BN, and it's been great how well you've adapted. Also, uh, he says, Vale Tasty, and I guess that means R.I.P. Um, in Australian. Vale? Yeah, R.I.P. Tasty. Yeah, keep going. man. Uh, I'm writing following the last Brewlosophy episode. It was great to hear all the insight and homebrew chat. I have, after around a year and a half, pulled out my Robo Brew, which is the Brewzilla, which I have, and I'm going to use hopefully this weekend, um, and knocked up my first beer for 2021. Thanks for the inspiration. Locked and up. JP, give it a lash. It's fun. Uh, there you go. Cheers from, from Paul. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, getting back into homebrewing, man. I got my Robo Brew. I just did a test on it. Uh, a couple days ago, ran some PBW through it, so I'm uh, very, very hyped to uh, start brewing again. Like you I said, a decoction. No, I'm not going to do a decoction. I'm going to do a mild. It's like a, a decoction. 3.5. Just say you're doing it. Just with, say the word decoction. With uh, with Kvike <laughs> yeast. Kvike? I'm going to get weird. Yeah, just cause I don't know. Uh, we should talk to we should talk to Kevin about Kvike, but I know we we run out of time. Yeah, we run out of time. I can't wait to talk about the Kvike. But... Uh, well, really, I want to talk to you about that after the show. Yeah, will you come never... back? Will you come back on the show, Kevin? I would love to. Really? Because I would really love you to. Only if also. I can put down 
craft brewing from the 80s and 90s more. Yeah, what? absolutely. <laughs> That's when I started. Shut up. Don't you think I was putting you down? I wasn't trying to put you down, but I felt you like were. I was, and you're getting mad at me. It's fine. I'm not mad. I love well, you. lumping in Sully with that is just a bonus. It's yeah. fine. I'll take it. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Facebook uh, folks, to hang out. Thank you, Facebook. And, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Chris <laughs> Rogers is in the chat talking to you. Kevin wants you to come out to Newport, and uh, Ryan is uh, loving you. So there's a lot of people going on in the chat. A lot of love. Yeah, a lot of Wayfinder love. All right. Cool. Th- <laughs> thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to uh, leave us some feedback, it's feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's kind of what we do now. So uh, give us feedback, feedback and uh, you know ha- come hang out with us. Uh, you know whenever we do some shows, we got some cool shows lined up for you coming up in uh, February. So uh, take it easy, take care of each other, wear a mask, stay away from everybody, support your local craft brewery uh, because we all need some love right now. All right, everybody, yeah. take it easy. J.P. does great as his charity care.